so very much. Well, welcome everyone. So glad you could all come. Um, I'm going to pass out this handout. I made this handout to um, make it possible that someone who might not have even come to the workshop could you know, walk away, you know, just reading that and saying, hey, I know something from this. So very, there's a lot of info. I packed a ton of info into 10 pages. So if it seems kind of like tight print and overwhelming, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but there is a lot there, so you can just examine it later. And I just want to let you all know that um, I want this to be like a time of, you know, discussion and asking questions. So please feel free to do that if you have any questions or even comments or, um, you know, moments of your own life where maybe a dream, you know, spoke something to you. You know, go ahead and just raise your hand and let me know if you want to say something. Um, and we'll be happy to hear from you this morning. So at the, um, in the middle, you know, of the first page, there's um, just kind of a, an index of what of what we're going to be talking about and what's all in your packet. So you can have a quick glance at what's coming. <clears throat> but I just wanted to start off with uh, just the, the truth that the Lord loves to be close with us. He loves relationship with us. He loves intimacy with us. And I have found just over the course of, of time in, in working with dreams that this is an area of relationship, actually, where the Lord can relate with us. Because whether or not we know what our dreams mean, the basic truth is that they can cause us to seek the Lord because they're mysterious. <laughs> in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. And, and what this is saying is that the things that the Lord wants to reveal, they actually belong to us. We get to have the things that he's revealing. And that includes in dreams. And uh, what is true is that when we're hungry for the Lord then we, we will seek him. We will seek him. And so in the area of dreams, kind of knowing that the Lord does speak through them, that hunger, you know, for, you know, what is God saying? Because I love him. I want to know more about him. And so I want to find out what's happening here in this dream can cause us to pursue the secret things that then can belong to us. So it's our hunger that seeks his face, and we're digging up treasure when we do that. And it's one thing to, you know, hear what someone else is, is saying or what, what the Lord is speaking to them through their dreams or in their own lives or in their own revelation. But when we seek the Lord ourselves, you know, we get something that we own. Like, I can take what someone else got, and I can take it for myself, and that's really good. But when you've sought the Lord on, a, on something and he gives you something, you know, that's just for you. That's something you own, and then you can share it with other people, and they can have it too. But it's so cool to have your own revelations or your own ideas about what the Lord is saying. Those are your treasures, and it's, it's beautiful. And, um, and just that, that process of hunger and digging, you know, for, for what the Lord is saying, you know, that's the same thing with his word. His word says things, and you can kind of read it to a certain degree. But you can also dig for more hidden understanding and meaning within the word. And it's the same that's true for our dreams. We can get a dream and it's like, hmm, that's interesting. But when you dig into each dream, you can find something more than what seems like on the surface at first. And um, what's also true is that God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us to discover. So it's not like he's trying to keep things 
from us. He wants us to discover him, but it's for us. He's hiding things for us to discover. In Proverbs 25.2, it says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. And that's who we are. We're kings and priests. And it's our glory to search those things out from the Lord. And sometimes our dreams will be literal. You know, but that's kind of more rare, but often they're symbolic. And the, that idea of things being symbolic, the Lord, <clears throat> Jesus, when he was, you know, giving his parables, they were kind of hidden, even to the disciples. Um, they were called dark sayings or philosophical or mysterious kind of stories. What is the meaning here? But, you know, upon relating with Jesus more, they would find the answer. And that's the same that's true for us. But it's his nature to speak in parables and riddles, things that don't make sense. How many of you have been kind of annoyed with your dream? You're like, what <laughs> does this mean? It's this riddle. I don't understand it. Um, but he tests us to reveal if we have ears to hear. You know, it says that in Proverbs. And so when we're digging and looking, you know, we'll find that we do have ears to hear because we're seeking him. So the defi- definition of the word dream is a sequence of images passing through a sleeping person's mind. And that is definitely what we experience in the night. How many of you um, do not remember your dreams most of the time? Okay. It's okay. There's hope. Don't worry. We'll cover that in a little bit. How many feel like you dream like every night and you remember something of of your dream every night? Okay. In um, Hosea 4.6, the Lord says that my, he says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But but the, the, the beautiful part of that is that the Lord wants to give us knowledge and understanding. In Joel 2, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And, and he, he has in mind to reveal things to us, to give us knowledge so that we will not be destroyed. And um, in Job 33, this is so clear. This is one of the clearest scriptures on dreams. For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. Isn't that amazing? That is a clear indication that the Lord wants to speak to us through our dreams. So how many of you can remember some significant dreams in the Bible? Just shout it out if you remember. Yeah. Joseph, yep. Was that your idea? The other Joseph. Jesus' father, yep. He had a warning. Jacob. Jacob. Jacob's ladder, that was kind of a vision dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was Pharaoh that had the dream. Pharaoh had a dream. Mm-hmm. So many, if you think about it. Uh, but so many things. Did you know that a third of the Bible is in some way in context or in relationship with a dream or a vision. A third of the Bible. That's how significant dreams and visions are. That it's either related or has as a result of a dream or a vision. And even in, in the Bible, even people who did not even know or love God um, had an understanding of dreams and knew the importance. I do believe at that time it just seems like it was cultural um, for dreams and dream interpretation to be kind of normal. Nebuchadnezzar had a real value for that. And um, 
even knew, you know, there was significance behind his dreams. And I was just reading in um, the story of Gideon how the Midianite army was, you know, ready to kind of go after Israel. And God told Gideon to go into the camp and just listen, just to hide and listen. And sure enough, somebody from the Midian camp has a dream. And um, it was like this barley loaf tumbled into their camp. And and the person who they were talking to said, oh, surely that's the sword of Gideon. And I was like, how did they kind of get like a barley loaf falling into the camp as a sort of Gideon. And I, I wondered if it was possible that the threshing that Gideon was doing in the wine press was like maybe his family made barley bread or something. And so they, they saw the barley loaf and maybe, I don't know, but you know, maybe that was the idea. But the reason why dreams are a great medium to speak to us is because we are asleep. <laughs> and our, our conscious mind cannot abstract what God wants to say. And so he can speak to us and, and we can speak to ourselves in a sense while we're sleeping because that's when, you know, our own things are kind of shut off to block whatever might happen. And I, I do believe that's just kind of a great way that the Lord can speak, kind of sneaky, um, but, but wonderful. Um, the earliest memories I have of dreams were, um, the, actually the earliest memory I have is when I was real little, I actually don't remember how old I was, I don't know if you do either, but um, I had had a dream where there was this, where our, the rooms in our house intersected on the main floor, like it was all walls there. Actually, it was kind of where the stove was in our kitchen, it was the very center of our house. And instead of the stove and the walls being there, there was a lion maybe two lions, but they were just kind of, it was almost like a lion's den, but they were sitting there very calmly and it wasn't scary. It was, it felt like protection. And I remember being really, um, I felt like this sense of security. And that was all the dream was that I remember. But I also remember um, it, right around then or at the same time I dreamed of these like clear bubbles of protection around my family and I and um, they were like these we just walked around with them on us and I remember thinking we were safe because the Lord was protecting us and I feel like the lions were also speaking of protection and so I don't remember for sure but I wondered at the time if I felt unsafe for some reason and the Lord was communicating you know safety and protection but I remember feeling really comforted by those dreams at a young age um, and on the other other hand, <laughs> I had a dream in third grade, like the, maybe this summer right before fourth grade, because in fourth grade I was going to a new school, and this building was very big compared to the school that I was in, which was just a long hallway. I was going to a new school with lots of floors, and it, from what I remember of going in it, it was a big school, and I needed to know where I was going, and I was really nervous about it, and my dream I was in the building, and I was walking all around the hallways trying to find the bathroom and had to go and was like, huh, where's the bathroom? I'm looking all over, and I'm lost. I can't find it. It's stressful. Oh, no. And um, <clears throat> I never made it to the bathroom in real life either. <laughs> um, it, was, it was speaking of my natural circumstance with the anxiety that I was feeling about this new building and being afraid of getting lost. Um, but that is what I would call an anxiety dream, a processing dream of what my heart is going through. <laughs> It was also mixing in with the natural state that I was in at the moment. Um, so, you know, and I'm sure you can all remember dreams you had that, you know, maybe stick out to you in your life. Maybe you, you don't. Um, but we want to change that so that you can remember 
and know what your heart is saying or what the Lord is saying. Um, let's see here. Uh, in Psalm 16, 7, um, David is saying, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. And, um, you know, that is basically an indication, you know, the dream I had from my fourth grade year, going into my fourth grade year, was that my heart was anxious. Maybe I didn't know that, but my dream told me that, you know, and sometimes your heart is able to actually kind of tell you what you're going through when you might not even know yourself. I've had so many dreams where I'll figure out, and then I'm like, oh, didn't even know I felt that way, you know, and it's because sometimes we're unaware of what's really going down on in the depths of our hearts, but the Lord wants to reveal that to us, and we want to reveal it to us so we, we know what we're actually feeling, what we're actually going through. And I really like this one um, in Job 33. For God speaks once, yet man perceives it not. And uh, just referring to the Lord might be speaking to us, but our head might not get it. In a dream in the vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men and slumbering upon their bed, he opens the ears of man and seals their instruction that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. You know, the Lord wants to keep us from making mistakes. He wants to kind of tell us things, you know, that can help us and guide us along the way. Um, there's a really interesting story about a lady. Mark Verkler teaches on dreams a lot. This was actually his secretary. Um, and she had um, a dream where she was in her house and she was smelling smoke in her house. She was kind of smelling it, trying to find it. She found the smell strongest in the kitchen and she kind of was looking in the cupboards and the top cupboards wasn't there. She looked in the bottom cupboards and in the bottom cupboards was the fire. And she w wakes up, basically, and within like a month, she ended up going to the doctor for some kind of um, pain that she was having. And he basically gave her the prognosis that she had inflammation in her lower intestines. So the house represented her body. The kitchen represented her digestive area, you know, where the food is processed and things. Not the upper cupboards, but the lower cupboards, the lower intestine, and that was all caused by stress. And she knew it, and she was like, okay, I gotta, you know, kind of rein in what's making me feel stressful, and he prescribed her some medicine. Well, a year later, she had that same dream, and she knew exactly what to do. She needed to de-stress, and not, she didn't want to take the medicine. She wanted to just try to figure it out naturally to just de-stress, but it was the Lord giving her an indication of something to watch out for, to be careful of, you know what I mean? And she's able to kind of get the message a second time, you know, knowing what the Lord is saying. Isn't that amazing? So um, in the Bible, I know we just talked about some of the, you know, kind of stories that we remember, um, but these um, figures in the Bible that had had dreams can tell us something um, important about some dreams. So um, in Acts, the story of Acts with the people in Macedonia, interpreting the dream that they had gave them vision and direction. So that's something that God can speak 
Um, it can result in favor and promotion, like Daniel and Joseph. They both um, received favor. God can establish or grow a relationship with us in a dream. With the um, Abrahamic co- covenant, you know, he established in a dream with Abraham this proposal of a relationship. And that's something that the Lord wants to do with us. Um, Mary and Joseph, like Cameron had mentioned, they responded appropriately to a warning dream and they were able to uh, be delivered. Um, Joseph... Um, receiving comfort and an encouragement in difficult circumstances. And Daniel um, had a dream where God revealed the issues of hearts. And, um, and then all the ones that are just about God are from God, you know. Um, and then also God can impart things to us. And I want to ask Jen Wickey to come on up and share her dream that she had a while back. And it was amazing to see what the Lord had done through that dream. So um, <clears throat> this past December, I was approaching my 30th birthday, and it's kind of a well-known thing that you know a lot of times you'll do a big 30th birthday party. And leading up to my birthday, I started to feel really anxious because I'd never in my life had a birthday party before. Um, just wasn't in a position as a child that my parents would have done something like that. So I started having all these really anxious thoughts the whole month before my birthday. Lots of times I was like, Anthony, please just cancel the party. I just don't want to do this. You know, I feel really awkward. I feel really bad. You know, I just feel like everybody's going to think this is really like, I don't know. Like, I'm going to think I'm so much and, you know, oh, everybody should come and celebrate me. It's all about me. Let's make this whole thing about me. And I, I felt, I felt guilty. I felt bad and I felt like this is wrong. You know, I shouldn't ask people to all come to this party just for me. This is wrong. And I, and they probably don't want to be there anyway. Really? They're probably just coming because they were, and I'm, I'm being completely honest. They're coming because we invited them and they feel like they have to be there and it would be awkward if they didn't. So I had all these really awful anxious feelings leading up to my birthday. And then sure enough, the day came and it was, my, it was my birthday. The party was not canceled. <laughs> and, um, I like driving to the restaurant because we were all going to meet at a restaurant and then go to a friend's house afterwards. I felt like I was going to throw up because I felt so nervous and I just didn't know what to expect. And I know this is crazy, but it happened. (laughs) We got to the restaurant and everybody was really happy to see me and everybody was happy about the whole thing. And I was like, these people actually want to be here. This is weird. I didn't expect this. They're actually happy to see me. They want to celebrate with me. Why is this? Well, then the night goes on and we get to the friend's house afterwards and everybody, I'm just standing there taking it all in. Everybody's having a good time. Everybody's enjoying themselves and enjoying being there. And everybody's genuinely happy for me having a birthday. And I'm like, I don't get this. Why is everybody so happy that I'm having a birthday? And why do they even want to be here? I don't, I don't get this. So Seth and Sarah were some of the last people to leave that night, the house. And I was, I remember I was sitting on the stairs at the friend's house in like the open foyer room area by the door. And I was kind of saying to them, you know, I actually had a lot of anxiety leading up to this. And I just felt kind of undeserving of this whole thing. And I just felt really bad and just felt like I shouldn't be doing this. And this was wrong. And, um, um, you know, Sarah was saying, but do you know that that's how God feels about you? You know, he would want to take a day or more than one day to just celebrate every single person. God, that's how God feels about you. He wants to honor you and have everybody else honor you and just celebrate you on this day. This is your day. You should be celebrated. You need to just know that you're worth celebrating and, and God loves you and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, that's, that's true. You know, God does want to celebrate me. And this is, this is a good day for that. It is my birthday and I am 30, you know? Well, that night I went to sleep and, um, in the night I had this dream 
And um, it, the exact same scene was taking place. I was sitting on those steps in that friend's house, and the whole entire room was set up exactly the same. Nothing was any different. Seth and Sarah were standing in the same spots. And I'm telling them the same conversation with the same words that I spoke. And I'm telling them, I don't feel, you know, like this was something I should have done, and I felt really bad about it. And so in the midst of saying all this, Seth jumps up. You know, he's like, we should baptize you. And I said, What? And I started laughing. I said, Seth, I'm already baptized. I got baptized when I was like 14. And he's like, no, 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 no. We should baptize you. And Sarah's like, yes, yes, we need to do this. Oh, Jen, this is going to be the best thing you've ever done in your life. We need to baptize you. And I'm like, guys, there's not really a place to do that right here. And of course, out of nowhere appears this like baptismal tub of some sort that's barely big enough for me to get in. Yeah, that just is just there. And Seth is like, Jen, come on, get in the water. This is going to be so great. And Sarah's like, yeah, you're going to love this. This is going to be so good. You need to do this. You need to. And of course, then the next second I'm in the tub. I don't know how I get in there, but I'm in the tub and I'm like crouched into this ball inside the tub. And then I'm like, guys, I don't even fit. And I just can't stop laughing because it's so silly to me. Like I don't fit. And I keep saying, Seth, I've already been baptized. I've already been baptized. Why are, why are we doing this? He's like, no, Jen, this is going to be different. And Sarah's like, yeah, this is going to be different than anything you've ever felt before in your life. And so then in that moment together, the two of them were like, we baptize you in the name. Of the, and they kind of tip me forward because I don't fit. And then they kind of tip me back because then I have to get the rest of my face wet, you know, like the back of my head and in the father in the, the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and then i come up from the water and it was like this surge this rush that just burst up out of the out of the water and it was like this glorious moment like nothing i'd ever felt before and then i was just laughing hysterically with joy from the pit of my stomach and it was a feeling of lightness and air and joy and just this like i felt like i had been completely delivered somehow I had been completely delivered and washed clean and brought forth in this new life. And so then I was like, that was different than anything I ever, you know? So then the next morning was Sunday at church here, not in my dream in real life. And Sarah walks in. I was like, you're not going to believe what happened to me. You and Seth baptized me in my sleep last night. And she's like, really, really tell me about that. And so I start telling her about that. And she kind of walks me through some of the steps, you know, like, you know, and she's going to touch on this too, but like, you know, what do, what do Seth and I represent to you and what does this and that represent? And what we realized was, um, that the dream was an impartation of honor in my life. God baptized me in honor in that moment. And when I came up, it was like this crown of honor had been placed on my head and I had been given this new authority and position that I was worth having that honor imparted into me. That is so amazing. Isn't the Lord so good? That is what I call an impartation dream, which we'll get into later. But the Lord can actually impart things to you like he did with Solomon. Um, he gave Solomon wisdom in the dream. And Solomon walked in that from then on. And Jen is walking in a new level of honor from that dream on. The Lord blessed her. I think it was like a blessing for your 30th birthday. The Lord was like, okay, for my daughter, you're going to get this, you know. Uh, it was your present, you know, and that's the heart of the Lord. He loves, and that's what I call relationship in a dream, you know, that is, but, you know, if you didn't know necessarily what, what to do with that dream, you might just think, huh, funny, I got back, but just to see what the Lord wanted to do in it, you know, to de decode kind of, in a sense, what the Lord was doing, it all came together. So um, looking at um, number three, why do we tend to disregard our dreams for those who are like, huh, why do I not remember them? Um, 
the culture that we live in, you know, has little respect for um, things outside of kind of logic and kind of the, you know, left kind of brain side of things, logic and ra rational thought. Um, and this tendency can come from Aristotle's view um, that that is basically what is kind of the higher way of thinking. Um, and productivity, there's no productivity in sleep. Uh, but I, I feel differently. <laughs> As you could see from even Jen's dream there, that was quite productive for her life. <clears throat> so dreams can be highly productive and save us a lot of time, actually, in the end, if we know what they're saying. Um, in Jerome's early Vulgate of the translation of the word dream, it was um, translated witchcraft. And some people believe that it was because he had had um, some really bad dreams when he was younger and felt like dreams were that way, you know, were just negative and, and witchcraft. And so some of the, the seeds of that idea when it was translated, even up to 1969, a lot of the Bibles, especially in the Catholic Church, were that word dream was translated witchcraft. And so that kind of tainted the idea that dreams were evil um, when they really weren't. And, um, and so, you know, churches have kind of gone on that for a long time. Those little things can kind of sow a little seed that can change culture. Um, and then also there's the two major dream uh, analysis formats with Freud and Jung and, um, they're kind of flawed when you look at them in comparison to the Bible, although there is something to be said for, you know, looking at other ways as long as, you know, the, the way that the Lord wants us to look at dreams is kind of primary. Um, because the truth is, is that, and it says in Genesis 48 that the interpretations of these mysteries belong to the Lord. You know, and there's so many indications of that in the Bible where people were trying to interpret dreams. Astrologers, you know, magicians and all these people were trying to interpret dreams, but only the Lord knew the answer. And it was his people that were able to decipher the code of these dreams. And uh, so... Um, and, you know, and this is true. If you, you just looking at that alone, you can see that the enemy would love for us to dismiss our dreams or to use dreams in a negative way so that we wouldn't want to dream. I've noticed this with little children, talking to little children. They're like, I hate dreaming. I don't want to have any dreams because they have nightmares and it scares them. And so they'd rather shut that down. I think that's a strategy of the enemy to keep kids from even having dreams or wanting to have dreams. Um, but, but to disregard our dreams is something that is very common. Um, and it feels like even from my perspective growing up in church that, you know, people who do interpret dreams are of kind of a wrong, you know, like maybe more mystic or psychic or, you know, they kind of get off on symbolism that can be wrong. Yes, Chris. What word mystic? Have you been delve into that? Have you ever thought about it? Another question is, I didn't grow up in this culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have. Right. I haven't actually heard of heard of that myself. Just you know, somebody having a sharp gift in the area and then it being kind of weird or something. I haven't experienced that because I've only experienced either just an impression in my mind of kind of that being strange, but then having uh, teachings and understanding of dreams from this perspective. So that's all I've had. But yeah. Um, 
I do think that that's something that even, say, you know, people in the body of Christ today might think that this workshop is kind of off. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, what can you say about that? I mean, we're going to teach what we're going to teach, and then hopefully those who have ears to hear will hear, you know. Um, but, yeah, <clears throat> that's my kind of where I come from on it. But the, the steps are basically to, to see that there's value in dreams. That's the number one step. And then the number two um, basically step is just to kind of then begin learning, you know, just saying, yes, I want to learn about this area and telling the Lord that. So what if you do not remember your dreams? This is number four. Um, everyone does dream. Sleep alert laboratories have concluded that, you know, if you do not have at least one to two hours per night of sleep, um, you know, just the dreaming that happens in those stages, people can actually go crazy if they don't get that time in their sleep because that, that is quality sleep when that happens. And they can have nervous breakdowns or whatever. Sleep is very important, and dreaming is actually very important. Um, so number one is attitude, you know, what has your attitude been about dreams in general? Um, and then there's some general issues, you know, whether you have interference, maybe medication, hormones um, for, you know, pregnancy or whatever, um, blocking spirits, generational issues or denial. You know, all of these are ways that, you know, we can potentially block out dreams kind of subconsciously in our minds or in our hearts. But there's some things that we can do, and that's kind of where we want to be now. Praying for our dreams to remove the hindrances. Are any of the things that I mentioned or any of the things in the notes, you know, do you kind of relate? Like, oh, I think maybe I have had an attitude where dreams aren't, aren't actually that valuable. They're too much of a mystery. I don't understand them. Forget it. You know, I try. Or, you know, maybe even thought, you know, stuff that was said in your family about dreams or something. Did you pick up on something that was kind of negative towards dreams? Did you have nightmares at one time and want to shut down your dreams? Stuff like that. Um, you can pray and ask the Lord. And even repentance might be an option for you, you know, to repent of those attitudes or thoughts. Um, repenting for having fear about dreams instead of being able to trust in the Lord. Stuff like that. And then putting your prayer into action by doing something as simple as putting a pen and paper next to your bed. I use my phone. I'll just have it next to my bed because it you know, can be my alarm anyway. And um, when I have a dream and wake up, or in the morning when I woke up and I remember a dream, I'll just go to my notes and just kind of write it down. Or if I'm really tired, I'll just use Siri <laughs> and just say my dream. Um, but, you know, I'm telling the Lord by doing that. I am, I am purposing in my heart to value my dream enough to capture it. And capturing it is one of the biggest kind of beginning steps because if you capture the dream when you first wake up, you'll remember more, more of the details. If you try to do it later in the day, you'll lose a lot of details. And how many of you have done where you're like, oh, I'll remember this later. It's so clear in my mind right now. And it's gone by noon. <laughs> yeah. So capturing it is a huge discipline. It's a discipline. You have to choose to capture your dream somehow as soon as you wake up. And sometimes it takes time and you got to run out the door. Um, but it is really worth it uh, because then you have something to work with, you know? So, so just doing those two things, praying and, and having the action of purposing in your heart to capture the dream right when you wake up with however you want to do that. A voice recorder is great too. My husband has just kind of recorded his dreams like right from his bed. He'll just put it on and start talking and then remember it later. That's a really easy way to do it if your fingers can't even work in the morning. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I can't hit the buttons. Um, so let's take it just a minute um, 
TJ, if you could put on the music. Um, we're going to take a minute and just kind of at your table or you could, you know, maybe get some space. Just evaluate if any of the things that were mentioned, you know, have, you know, been in your past or in your heart or something towards dreams. And just say a prayer to the Lord uh, of repentance or just committing to him that this is an area, you know, that you want to kind of delve into and just that alone will start dreams in your life um so let's go for that and i'll just pray over us once and then you can kind of pray on your own lord we just do thank you so much for um speaking to us in dreams and uh you know each one of us has a different history and a different story but lord we just um pray that you would um just uh give us um, a perspective that we can see things from your perspective. How do you see us in relationship with dreams? We give you our nights, Lord. We give you our nights. And uh, we pray that you would work this out in us, Lord. That dreams would flow freely. In the name of Jesus. All right, we're just going to take a minute and you can have a prayer before the Lord in this. <laughs> questions or yeah questions and maybe you already said this and I didn't understand do you think that sometimes I'm going to go back to being a child that as a child the experiences you're seeing or feeling around you that maybe are adult situations that as a child you can't process then would show up in your dreams that God God's helping the child deal with whatever yeah, I think sometimes we can have a prophetic gift even. I've heard of a lot of children having prophetic dreams where they can they're picking up or you know i don't know if it's just their gifting operating or if it's the lord kind of revealing things to help you know process what's to come you know i don't really know for certain but uh you know i have heard of of the prophetic gift kind of flowing in dreams where you have a dream about something and then it kind of happens really soon after that or you know a while after that yeah, it could be prophetic or it could be what you're saying, maybe the Lord kind of revealing something, you know. Yeah, or sometimes I think you can pick up what's happening in the spirit or even emotionally and you might be processing. You know, there's there could be different sources of, of why, you know, you might be dreaming that way. But. And the other thing is in the um, area that I deal with every day, um, we talk a lot about night terrors. And in night terrors, and question is about night terrors. I'm sorry. I just was saying what the question was. Oh, Go ahead. And then from the worldly view, that is, well, not even worldly, but sometimes demonic is used, or I mean, they go into all their psychological mm -hmm. why that's happening to an individual. Mm -hmm. What do you think about night terrors? Is that a Is that. I personally have felt like it is kind of what I was saying where the enemy just loves to rob from kids in the area 
and just to produce fear in general. And I, I, I think they are like, you know, demonically influenced dreams. That's my take on it. I just can't see how a child having, you know, that kind of level of terror and fear and all that stuff in the night is something that comes from the Lord. <laughs> Happening in adults? Oh, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll get into that, actually, in just a, a few minutes, yeah. Yep, Rachel? I, I had a lot of nightmares, and yep. I think that with some children, I think some of it has to do with a show that they watch or something, and it's just always... Yeah, it could be a, a show that they're watching. They're, their yeah, I agree. I used to have them where I would be running and running and running in this dark cave, and it wasn't anything that I had watched, and um, everyone would die around me. And I would just keep running and running and running, and I never had anyone. I never knew what I was running from. Hmm. And I had this, I probably, I had it as a kid probably eight to ten times. I mean, I, it was always a reoccurring dream. A reoccurring dream of running. Mm-hmm. Of having nightmares. I still had a lot of other dreams, but I would always yeah. those. And so, I think it was just a couple years ago when I actually really got baptized. Wow. And, um, She's saying she got baptized. And that changed. Wow. The Lord, He heals all those things. He's so good. That is such a good testimony. Yes, Arwen. I I am just about to get into that. <laughs> Emily. I have dreams where there's a specific. The geographic location that reoccurs. A, ge- a specific geographic location. Yeah, it's like my like my neighborhood, like the house where I grew up at. Mm-hmm. You know, a neighborhood house you grew up at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. We'll be getting into that as well. <laughs> um, and then after we get into like the types of dreams and symbolism, if you have questions, again, let me know. Um, so number six, we're going to talk about the source of dreams, and we kind of already have talked about that. But um, a lot of our dreams that we have come from our heart speaking. You know, we talked about that. And dreams can come from God. We talked about that. And dreams can come from the enemy, and they can be enemy-influenced. I think it has a lot to do with maybe what's going on you know, there's there are stories I've heard where people, you know, go into a house, they move into a house that there's some spiritual activity that can, inf- I think, what's around you can influence, you know, the demonic activity in your dreams. I think that what you watch, um, if you have a really scary thing, dreams are very extreme. They can be very uh, exaggerated. So if you watch a scary movie and then you have an exaggerated dream based on what you saw, it might not be exactly the same, but just the same spirit or something in what you saw, you know, that can be a demonic dream, but, you know, it could be coming from maybe what you're kind of spending your time watching. Um, and then I think it can just be just the enemy just trying to attack. So those are some enemy type of dreams. So types of dreams. Uh, There can be um, miscellaneous dreams, and that's the question that you had, Arwen. And I mean, this is a a chunk of my dreams are what I would call flushing dreams or processing dreams, where they're kind of random. There's not a whole lot of rhyme or reason, reason to them that you can really gather. Maybe it didn't even leave an impression on you at all. It's just you kind of I mean, I just had one, you know, last night, and it was funny. I was telling Seth about it, and it, it, there was nothing in the dream that really grabbed my attention or made me 
feel like there was any message in it. Um, but there can it can be characterized by a confusion or lack of clarity. <clears throat> And this is just us kind of doing what we're naturally wired to do, which is kind of fleshing out kind of what's going on around us, processing life. Subjective dreams are the bulk of our dreams where <clears throat> you're playing a role and you are kind of responding to what's going on in the dream. And um, these are the ones that really do reveal our hearts. <clears throat> And this is the one where uh, people in your dreams might represent different parts of who, of who you are. So if I have a dream about my mom, it could be the mothering side of, of, of me. You know, if, I, if I'm dreaming about Cameron, it could be the leadership side of me because I see him as my leader. It could be that, you know, that, that I'm seeing. And those are the ones that are really hard because you're just, you think the person in the dream is the person and you're not looking at it from a kind of symbolic perspective. And that's something I had to get used to thinking about in my dreams that I wasn't used to. And this is usually a comment on your own life, you know, something that's going on. And um, it takes time to really understand them and work them out. Objective dreams are a smaller percentage, only five, usually it could be more than that, depending on, you know, your level of gifting or maturity with the Lord. Um, prophetic people, you know, have more of these kind of dreams. Intercessors can have these kind of dreams. Leaders can have these kind of dreams if they're over a group of people. They might have dreams for the people in their group if they're pastoring over them. But it brings a message that's not for necessarily you, but for someone or for something. Um, I had a dream when I was in college, and at the time I knew someone who was a paraplegic in a wheelchair who had cerebral palsy. And... Um, the dream that I had was that we were here in this church in a meeting and there was a guest speaker and they were speaking and it was really, the presence of God was strong and they were a really great guest speaker. And this person who was a paraplegic came um, wheeling up to the front in response to wanting prayer. And I was up there too for some reason. And the presence of God in that dream was so strong. It was one of the strongest times I'd ever felt the presence of the Lord. And I was praying for her to be healed. And she stood up out of that wheelchair and her, her legs completely changed. Everything completely changed. And I mean, I was weeping with joy. The presence of God was so just filling. And what I heard was it sounded like angels saying, and the deaf will hear, and the blind will see, and the dead will be raised. And the, the, the phrase was going on over and over and over after I woke up. And I woke up kind of shaking and just still feeling that. And I knew that it was a prophetic dream of what was to come, you know, and that that's something that my heart was to be set on, that that is what I'm going to see in my lifetime. And I remember that dream so often. And that is a good example of a, a kind of objective kind of dream. Um, and here's some things relating to that. You can see the bullet points there. But sometimes those dreams come with responsibility. And with that dream, I felt like, you know, I needed to pray for that and look towards that as something that I'm going to see in my life and I want to see. Um, you know, some of them might be about someone that you know. And, um, again, a small percentage of, of your dreams are going to be this. And so be careful about thinking that people in your dreams, that this is for them. Because I've, I've actually done it where I feel like maybe a dream is for someone and then realized it wasn't, you know. But um, 
it's easy to co go there. This must be for them. Just check in every way this could be for you before you go and share a dream with someone <clears throat> or submit it to somebody who you're in relationship with that you know isn't really um, maybe involved or just is a leader. <clears throat> Excuse me. But. Um, you know, the, the responsibility might be that you're supposed to intercede on behalf of a person in your dream, you know, asking the Lord if I should share it, when I should share it, you know, giving it, if it's for the church, you know, giving it to Cameron, submitting things to authority. Those are um, things that you can do with um, objective dreams. Directional or guidance dreams. Um, Paul being called to Macedonia. Um, you know, Joseph being led to safety, those, you know, types of things. There was an example, again, from Mark Verkler of a girl who is in nursing school, and she had a dream that she was in a nursing class, but she was wearing a ballet outfit. She felt really out of place, and she didn't know what to do. She woke up, and she didn't know what that dream was about, but she had gotten, you know, this class on how to, you know, know about your dreams. And so she then had a second dream that there was, like, this kind of rope from heaven that, or a ribbon or something from heaven that came down in front of her, and she grabbed onto it and basically climbed or got up to heaven, and the Lord started pouring gold on her and told her that she was to be a dancer, she still didn't get it. She had a third dream. And in the dream, the Lord spoke to her and said, I've written, you know, you have written in your journal at some point about going to a dance academy. Somehow in the dream, she realized that she had written in a journal about opening a dance academy. And she knew that the Lord was speaking to her about doing this. And so she stopped nursing school. She opened up a dance school. And, you know, so I don't know how many years later, graduated like 200 students from the successful dance school and it was the Lord saying you know nursing's good but dance is what I've called you to you know and that was a directional change for her warning dreams we've kind of talked about those already uh, you know kind of warning you about attacks um, warfare dreams can happen when you know you experience some kind of struggle in a dream, or you know, you're kind of being chased or something. And this, I've had so many of these dreams where I'm like, "Oh, that was a warfare dream." <laughs> I had one the other night actually, where a cat was attacking me, and I do not really enjoy cats for the most part. My husband just walked in the room. He does like cats, and we have this thing. I like dogs, and he loves cats. Um, I do not enjoy them. And in this dream, this cat was relentless. It would not leave me alone. It was crawling up my body and scratching, and it was just, I couldn't do anything. And I was pulling it off me and throwing it behind a door and shutting it, and it would just make its way out. I was, like, bashing it against a wall, and it would just not die. I mean, it was like... And I kept thinking, if this cat did not have teeth or claws, I'd be just fine. This is awful, you know. And, um, and I woke up and I was like, oh, worrying dream. It was just a, a little warfare dream. And, and the Lord spoke to me actually that morning saying, you're experiencing some oppression. Send out a prayer request about the dreams workshop. And I didn't even know it. Like, I just was like, oh, okay. So I did. And then I had that dream, you know, and a couple other things happened. And I was like, okay. Something's going on. So the enemy is not excited about this dreams workshop, but that's okay. God is big. Yes. I used to have a lot of nightmares when I was a kid, and I actually taught myself how to change my dreams. Is that touch on? I was not going to touch on that, but I have heard of that. So why don't we talk about that kind of towards the end? Remind me, okay? Um, 
because I have heard of things like that, but I hadn't had it in my notes. Impartation dreams, like we talked about with Jen. Uh, a friend of mine just recently had a dream in which um, it was somebody that goes to this church um, who was dreaming about Cameron. He had questions for Cameron that he wanted to ask, but for some reason it was hard for him to get to Cameron. But Tori, his daughter... In, in this person's dream was there and, and was, had the same questions to ask Cameron. And, and, and my friend was kind of jealous, like, I wanted to ask those questions. And, and Tori was sitting right next to Cameron and asking these questions and he was answering them and they were having a conversation. And my friend was thinking, well, I guess I can just listen in on these questions because at least I'm getting to know this thing, but it was disappointing because he wanted to ask him himself. Well, um, I think shortly after that, and I can't remember the details exactly, but basically I think Cameron came up to him and put a necklace on him and hugged him, and it completely, he said something like, I want, or you have a part of me in this, or something. Basically was saying, like, you are my son. You can inherit what I have. You're with me, you know, and, and it just spoke into his heart. And so over the course of talking through it, Cameron represented God, Tori represented people, you know, who are sons and daughters, and he feels like he's not able to connect with the Lord, and he's watching other people connect with the Lord and feeling kind of jealous about it, and having, you know, just a desire to relate like sons and daughters do, but not feeling like he could. So, and that was a processing dream of his heart. He was feeling that, but then the Lord spoke in that dream and imparted to him sonship, basically, that you are my son. And so there was two parts to that dream. It was two kinds of dreams, really. It was a heart dream and a God dream in one, and an impartation dream, because God imparted that to him, and he was so blown away and blessed by you know, the interpretation, he just really received it after he knew what it was. And sometimes that happens too. If you wake up and you have a dream and then the Lord speaks to you about what it is, it can then hit your heart. You know, if you realize what God is saying. Encouragement dreams are kind of similar to that. Um, just where they're encouraging in general. Creativity dreams. Um, you know, I'm telling you, God has done some amazing things through dreams as far as inventions. Um, there is an, there's a woman who wrote the movie The Ultimate Gift. Have any of you guys heard of that movie, The Ultimate Gift? Um, she wrote this dream and had had a series of 70 dreams having to do with the characters, wisdom about how to make it, counsel and direction all about this dream or of this movie. And so the Lord just downloaded stuff through all those dreams to give her what she needed. And that's really normal. Um, remind me that I'm on number 10. I'm going to go to the bottom of my notes here. I'm going to just run through some inventions that have happened due to dreams. The first sewing machine was um, invented by Elias Howe. There was a lot of people who had invented sewing machines, but um, he had a dream. He was working and working and working on a sewing machine, but he couldn't quite figure it out. And he had a dream that some Native Americans were shooting arrows through, like, um, like a, a tent. And when the, um, the needle or the arrows pulled back through, it was catching thread on the way back. And it, that whole picture, he woke up immediately and went straight to his lab or wherever he was working on the sewing machine and perfected it because just that picture in the dream helped him to realize how to make the first lock stitch sewing machine. And that sewing machine was developed even further and used for a mil over a million soldiers for the Civil War at that time. And so God gave an invention right in time for a time where the nation really needed it. You know, how cool is that? 
Paul McCartney got the music for the song Yesterday in a Dream. Jack Nicholas, um, how do you say his name? Nicholas? I don't know. Finds he found a new golf swing from a dream. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Um, there's a um, India's greatest mathematical genius. His name is Srinivasa Ramajanjan something. Um, sorry, <laughs> bad pronunciation. Um, but he made really substantial contributions to the mathematical theories of the the time, and he had gotten a lot of them in dreams. Isn't that um, awesome? Einstein had dreamed of the theory of relativity and was able to kind of bring it out. The idea for Google. I did not know this one. I looked it up. <clears throat> um, Larry, P pardon? <laughs> I did. I actually did. Um, Larry Page and Sergey Brin got the idea for downloading, you know, the entire web onto computers. And um, Larry Page dreamed it one night when he was 23, and he said he just spent the middle of that night scrubbing out the details after he woke up from the dream. Um, the periodic table came from Dmitry Mendeleev. Thank you. So, I mean, those are just some some things that had happened from getting them in dreams. Isn't that awesome? God likes to do things like that. Okay. Um, I'm on number 10, right? Uh, healing and restoration dreams. God can heal our hearts and our dreams or even point to where the roots of things can come from. All right. Dreams that express sexuality. This is an interesting topic. Um, there are, you know, four different ways, basically, that you know, these could, where it could be coming from. It can be demonic harassment, especially if it's recurring and if it's in any way kind of negative or makes you feel uncomfortable, um, but is easy to take care of. Um, an area of sin that needs to be dealt with. It can also be a fleshing dream. Um, and it can also portray two parts of yourself coming together. My friend Scott had a dream where he was talking with somebody that he knew um, who was at the time an elder in our church. And they were at like breakfast and they were looking over the menu and trying to decide what they wanted to eat. And they were sitting across the table from each other. And this man who was an elder in the church had kind of reached across the table and was like kind of taking his hand and looking in his eyes and what it seemed like kind of making a pass at him and he was not happy about that dream when he woke up and he was wrestling with that dream wondering you know what does this mean he was close to actually talking to him and asking if he had some issues <laughs> and he went to the Lord I'm so thankful he went to the Lord uh, he went to the Lord with it and the Lord revealed to him that that man represented a part of him and at the time he was trying to make some decisions in his life and he was having a hard time making these decisions and that man represented someone who's decisive and seems to know what he's doing in life and why he's doing it and he was representing in his dream the part of him that doesn't know what to decide. They're looking at a menu in a restaurant. He can't decide what to eat. And, and then, you know, it was the part of him that is someone who's decisive, trying to connect and, and come together with the side of him that 
you know, isn't decisive. And so it, it really did not have to do with sex at all. It was, it was two parts of him coming together in one. And so that's always an option to look at if you're having a, a sexual dream that you're concerned about. <laughs> uh, who knows? But the answer is take it to the Lord and he will lead you. Nightmares are often the cry of an unhealed heart. Um, Mark Verkler himself had had a dream that was reoccurring over a long period of time in which he had, when he was young, he, his grandpa, he believed had a stroke, which actually wasn't the truth, but he, in his mind, he thought that his grandpa had a stroke. It really impacted him and he was very afraid of basically dying of a stroke. So he had had, these demonic dreams where he would be having like, you know, feeling paralyzed, like he couldn't do anything, his mind would go numb, and he'd wake up in that state, basically feeling like he was having a stroke. And he'd kind of wake up and shake it off. But it was over and over and over that he would have the same dream. And they figured out where it came from. It was a root of fear that he had kind of given way to because of his father ha or his grandpa having a stroke, which he didn't even have. Isn't that amazing? His, his grandpa didn't even actually have a stroke. You could have thought that might be generational. You know, maybe a stroke is coming down through the family line, but his grandpa didn't even have a stroke. It was just fear of stroke. So they basically, he repented, and basically it was a demonic thing, and so they kind of kicked that out, and he's never had it since. So God can heal those kinds of things. And then there's false dreams, which are not true. Um, they're just false in every way. And so what we can do is just ask the Lord, you know, what kind of a dream is this? Now, um, I'm just going to shift to eight because just getting into interpretation really starts getting the process going. Um, but I, first, before that, I would like to just take a minute. And <clears throat> because we've gone over the source of dreams and the types of dreams you can have. And at your tables, either alone by yourself or you can talk with people at your tables. It's up to you. Um, just thinking about dreams you've had in the past that you might remember. Any, any type of dream, um, whether it's from your childhood or recent. And, and just try to see if you can place them, if you can find out what the source is, if you remember, you know, whether it's coming from your own heart, whether it's coming from the Lord, or if it's, you know, a dream from the enemy. And then looking at the type of dream it could be. You know, maybe you might not know for sure, but, you know, you can maybe try to put it in a category. Does that sound okay? So reflecting on dreams you've had in the past, trying to find their source and type. And we'll just take five minutes to do this, just to give your minds time to process this and think through it a little bit, okay? TJ, do you want to put some music on? Anybody have any questions they'd like to ask? Questions, questions, anybody have questions? If you have a recurring dream, does it mean it's an issue that you still have to deal with? I think recurring dreams can mean that the Lord might be, I mean, I think it could be a number of things. Like with um, Mark Verkler, it was that there was a heart issue and the Lord just, you know, was kind of revealing, hey, deal with this. Hey, you can deal with this, you know. Also at the same time, it's the fruit of what was going on in his life. So, and but the Lord can bring understanding to it. And then other reoccurring dreams, like with the girl with the nursing and ballet, she got three dreams that helped her get the message. It took a while for her to get there. So if you're having a reoccurring dream, I would always say it's just really good to look into that because it could, you know, be the Lord trying to get your attention, or it could be an issue that the Lord can can fix, if, especially if it's negative. So yeah, I would look into reoccurring ones for sure. Anyone else? 
questions? I just going to say, for recurring dreams, I found that I had a recurring dream. It was just an anxiety dream. You know, like I'm back at, I used to work at the hospital, and I'm back there, and I'm supposed to be taking care of people, because I don't know where they are, who they are, or whatever. And, you know, but in the last few times I've had that dream, instead of just feeling, feeling like a helpless victim and, like, kind of just retreating into the woodwork, like there was one time where I just called a meeting and I said, okay, I'm supposed to be in charge here. We all know I don't know what's going on, but we've got to do something. And I, you know, I just started running and, you know, and that was like a big change. And I just feel like maybe um, in these dreams we can actually grow, you know, especially we get frustrated because I prayed about it. I'm like, Lord, I'm tired of this same dream. Yeah. So I think that kind of hits on what Carrie still was talking about. You know, having <clears throat> a reoccurring dream, and it, especially if it's a, like an anxiety dream or feeling exposed or vulnerable or those kinds of things, especially, you can, you know, ask the Lord, Lord, I want to overcome this. If you know it's pointing to an area within you, I want to overcome this. And so I've heard of people where they keep seeing the same dream, and in the dream, their action is different. Um, because they're wanting to see a change. And so something in them, with the Lord's help, is like, in a sense, willing them to change the action and the behavior in the dream, which then can result, I think, in that thing being kind of taken care of in your life. Um, does that a little bit answer your question, Carrie? Yeah, because, um, as everybody knows, I, I live in the state for five years. So when I was a child, I was. There's a lot of witchcraft in my family. So I was concerned, and I stopped trying to change my dreams since I've been saved because I was afraid that I was using the demonic spirits. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's good. That tells me that I can still, when I do have my nightmares. Conscious dreaming is actually a, a form of witchcraft. People in witchcraft learn how to do conscious dreaming. Conscious dreaming is just the ability to influence your dreams. You, you technically, what happens is you, you become conscious enough yet still dreaming, and so that you can then affect what happens in the dream. And in witchcraft, they use that to do witchcraft in dreams. <clears throat> but uh, so, is conscious dreaming therefore altogether wrong? No. Just don't do witchcraft in dreams, okay? <laughs> and I, I, this is something that I actually, I don't talk about this very much, so don't tell anybody. <laughs> I'm, but, but I'm rather, I have a lot of experience in conscious dreaming. And um, what I've learned is, is to actually say, is to say, okay, God, where are you in this dream? And, and it is unbelievable, some of the things that I've experienced. It's just amazing to begin preaching the gospel in a dream and see people get saved and, and, or, or pray for people in a dream and, or just say, God, where are you in the dream? And then God shows up and then you, you have an interaction with God because you're aware enough in your dream that you can actually pray. And, 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 and so I just heard Bill Johnson talk about uh, Solomon having a conversation with God in a dream. Uh, where God says, I'll give you whatever you ask, and he asks for wisdom. And uh, that all happened in a dream, and, it, and I look at the influence of his life. And so that was something that's an example of conscious dreaming in the Bible. So what you do is, is what's significant in conscious dreaming. And, and, you know, I don't think it's something that you necessarily have to strive after, but I think that you can realize, hey, I can act if I'm aware of a dream, I can actually, in the dream, say, Father... You know, cry out to Jesus. That's how I overcame demonic attacks and dreams. So I just started praying. It's just amazing what happens once you start praying in a dream and the demons, and then you have victory over the demons. It's great. <laughs> All right, there you go. That's a great answer. Thank you, Cameron. Yes. 
Yeah, very quickly, uh, on the question of uh, Pastor Cameron, the conscious and uh, effecting a change so you don't subscribe to demonic uh, influences. Uh, just this morning before I came here, I, uh, I knew I was being attacked. And immediately, just like you said, when you call the name Jesus Christ, as soon as you call the name Jesus Christ, uh, demons have a way. They're so smart. They will. They'll come as pretty children. Like this morning, there was a child, uh, and I. You, typically, you know what circumstances this. So I said, in the name of Jesus, if you belong to Jesus Christ, yes, you can come. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I said Jesus Christ, you could see the face just changed, mm. and then all of a sudden start to rot. I mean, seriously, rot. <clears throat> and I kept calling Jesus Christ and it was destroyed so yeah. over and over over the years it's always been what 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 helps out mm. calling on the name of jesus including jesus in your dream if you're able to and see what happens because god is good isn't he thank you for the input everyone so interpretation <clears throat> you know talking of just about how um the symbolism uh can be in a sense a barrier for us because we're it's a mystery you know and some of us have felt completely bewildered by our dreams you know and actually that's normal to feel that way um even the disciples kind of drew close to jesus when he would give these parables you know and they would wonder what is he talking about and they would directly ask him what does this mean? And that is our response for dreams. If we're confused or bewildered, we need to ask Jesus, what does this mean? And um, that is the way that we learn. And so it is a flipping of the switch, in a sense, in our minds, going from literal to symbolic. It's, it's actually like, okay, I have to not think that Laura Shockley in my dream is necessarily Laura Shockley, or this kitchen is necessarily a kitchen, or, you know, what have you, that, that it's just good to, like, think symbolically in your mind. Um, <clears throat> and I, I do believe there's, like, a prophetic flow we can enter into. You know, Daniel and Joseph kind of operated in the gift of the revelation realm, being able to receive from the Lord and and to interpret things. You know, I, I often wondered sometimes, how did they do that? You know, how did they, how are they just able to say exactly what those dreams meant? Some were obvious and some were not. Um, but but they, they were operating something that can only come from the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> In Daniel 5, 6, um, it says, I have heard of thee that you can make interpretation and dissolve doubts. And that word dissolve doubts or make interpretations is kind of like the, the idea is unraveling knots. You know, it's like kind of trying to kind of decode something, unraveling something. And that is, you know, what we can do. We're unraveling the mysteries of God when we're looking into our dreams. And... Um, in 1 Corinthians 4, 1, it says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. We can actually be stewards of these mysteries, unraveling them, deciphering them. 
So symbolism is a part of, you know, our culture every day with movies, books, you know, poems, and, um, you know, figures of speech that Jesus used even, you know, the vine dresser, the sower and the seed, you know, those are symbolic things. So the Bible is full of symbolism, and our culture is full of symbolism, if we really take the time to think about it. Um, Joseph, a lot of times the symbols in the dream will come from the person's life. So, um, you know, Joseph dreamed of the stars in the fields because he was always out in the field, and that's what he knew. And so, you know, the Lord used the context of what he understood to bring forth the symbolism, what it meant. The baker dreamed of bread. The butler dreamed of vines with wine. He would pour the king's cup. Um, the king um, in Nebuchadnezzar dreamed of statues. You know, he had, had you know had statues in his palace. You know, all those things are um, kind of, you know, what's going on in your life. And so many of our dreams can be quite familiar, can't they? Where it's like, oh, I felt that way before. I'm kind of used to this idea. They're very familiar. Uh, but there can be messages in them, even though it's like, oh, I know about that. You know, just looking further into what the messages could be. And there are so there's so much on the internet about set symbolism. You know, you you're like, what does this or that mean? And you'll go on websites, and it's like, this means this, this means this, this always means this, and that is not necessarily true. I'm here to tell you something different. The reason why that we know that it's not always the same symbolism is not always the same is because of the Bible. While Joseph was in prison, in Genesis 40, the baker dreamed of the three baskets. You know, one t- was filled with baked goods, you know. And, and the, um, this, the symbol of three days... Sorry. So the... Yes. Yeah, so the three baskets... Um, you know, symbolized three days. But when the, in the case of the Midianites' dream, the, lo- the, the bread there represented the sword of Gideon. And so bread represented, you know, three baskets of bread represented three days, whereas this loaf of, of bread, you know, was Gideon. And so they didn't, and, you know, the Midian camp didn't say, well, obviously that means one day. You know, it was a different symbol. Does that make sense? Yeah. And when King Nebuchadnezzar dreamed of a tree... It was symbolic of himself and his kingdom, but later he dreamed of a statue having a head of gold, and Daniel interpreted the head of gold as being symbolic of the king. So those are, you know, different symbols with, you know, the same interpretation. Obviously, those things are different. And so we can't necessarily put God in a box, you know. We can't say this is how it always is. And and this is true for us because, you know, like with me, <laughs> I don't really like cats. So if a cat is attacking me, that makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense to me. However, my husband loves cats. If he dreams of cats, it might be something comforting. You know, he had a, a cat named, was it General? General Washington. He had a cat named General Washington. And then later he had a cat named JJ, or was it earlier? Yeah, he had a cat. He loved his cats. He just loved his cats. And when I think about that, I think that that could be a cute idea. I still don't like cats. So anyway, to Seth, a cat could be super comforting, wonderful, and delightful. But to me, a cat attacking me with its claws and teeth completely makes sense to me. And Perhaps. Perhaps. Good point. 
so just just saying, like, if you're helping someone else to interpret their dream, and if they're talking about those symbols in their dream, don't put on, on them your interpretation of those symbols because they're not going to mean the same thing, obviously. And, and it's going to be different for, you know, even from dream to dream with the person, obviously, as we can see in this biblical example. And so, you know, asking the person... You know, what does this dream mean to you? Or sorry, what does the, what does a cat represent to you? Or what does Cameron represent to you? Or what does, you know, somebody's, you know, parent could represent something not good, whereas for me it would represent something good, you know. But who knows? God knows, and people know what the language of their heart is. So basic, so all that to say, there are basic dream symbols too. So there's also just being careful of not putting some symbols in a box, but we have listed, you know, some symbols that can be common. Now, and, you know, Emily talking about houses or, you know, geographic locations like you're talking about. In my dreams, and, and I've heard this many times, the house you grew up in could be indicative of, you know, God talking about something or you even talking about something that is from, you know, something in your heart from when you were young. Um, I've had a number of dreams where the house that I was growing up in meant something having to do with something in my heart or God wanting to show me something that had to do with something in my family, you know. And, um, and so houses can represent different things, but that is one of them. It can also, like the lady with the, the fire in her kitchen, you know, she was in her house and that represented her body. Her kitchen was her digestive system, you know. And so God was pointing at something in her in her health that had to do with her body. But it's, you know, it's just not this fixed thing. But 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 this, these could be this. You know, a bedroom might speak of personal or heart issues. A basement might reveal things under the surface. Um, a classroom might indicate learning. You know, these are kind of like, in a sense, obvious, but might not be you know, exactly what, like for, you know, school when I was real young was difficult. And so if I'm in a classroom from elementary school, it might be a time of feeling vulnerable or exposed or that I don't know what I'm doing, you know, but to someone else who was a super achiever, you know, they might feel like the classroom in elementary school was a great place where they felt, you know, like they were on top of the world. Who knows? So here, just, you can look through, we probably won't go through all of them, but these are just some general um, symbols. Color are when asked about. Um, you can do searches on the Google in which you can look up like biblical significance of color and there's lots of websites that will kind of give you an indication of what colors can mean. Um, red is almost always having to do with redemption or cleansing. Um, unity, you know. What's that? War. War. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, blue, I've heard of blue representing the Holy Spirit, water, cleansing, river, you know, that kind of thing. But you can, you know, have at that if you'd like to go for it. So here are 10 steps to interpreting your dreams. Now, this, I, I really was hoping that this could really help some people if you take each step kind of one by one and take a dream and, and evaluate it, that this really might help you get on your way to determining what this could be. So writing it down like we talked about, capturing, you know, what this dream means. Um, 
or what this dream is in your phone, you know, voice recorder, pen and paper, notebook, getting it down right away as soon as you wake up. Some people, you know, ask the Lord, wake me up when I have a dream. You can do that. You can, you know, do it as soon as you wake up in the morning, whatever. Um, Number two is determining the source. What we talked about, is it from the enemy? Is it from God? Or is it from your heart? That might actually come later if you're really not sure. Um, Like with my friend's dream, he might have not really had an idea what the source was, but he knew that he woke up with this real feeling of comfort in the Lord and knowing the Lord's love. And so he might have thought, this could be a God dream, but let's look at it further. And then seeing, hey, this was a dream that was coming from my heart, and then it was the Lord speaking to, to that issue in my heart. Um, and number three, a question to always ask is, what was I thinking about the night before, the day before, a couple days before? Because that's the context that you're starting from. And a lot of times, the the dream will will kind of speak to the thing that was on your heart or mind, whether it's God speaking to it or it's your heart processing, you know, what's going on. And that's another way that you can find out what how am I really feeling about this issue that I've been thinking about lately. And you can ask, you know, where am I in this dream? Am I observing it? Am I participating it? Am I the central focus of it? Is this a subjective or objective dream? And then try to reduce the dream to its simplest form. Like, what is the basic message here? And that can be hard because there can be so many details to dreams. But one of the main questions that really helps is, um, what what is my key emotion in this dream? What was the very key emotion? Or there might be kind of two segments of the dream. My, what was my emotion here? And then what was my main key emotion here? That could really help. What are the main symbols in the dream? You know, it might be the people or it might be, you know, where you are. Like Emily just mentioned, like the house she grew up in. You know, that would be a key symbol in the dream. And, um, and then the key action. You know, what are you doing? Are, like, you know, um, Rachel had mentioned running, you know, that would be the key action. She was running from something. That would be the key action. And so you can ask the question, where in my life am I running right now? You know, if you're falling, where in my life do I feel like I'm falling right now? But it's kind of taking a step back and not trying to get too locked up in some of the details. Does that make sense? And a a really common one is like feeling naked or like you don't have clothes on or, you know, something strange are almost always an indication of being vulnerable. I've had several dreams like that, strange kind of dreams where I'm like, yep, I do feel vulnerable in this area. Um, Particularly school, I had one in high school, I remember, and it was just so awful, (laughs) very embarrassing, you know, and I'm like, oh, I feel that way right now in in high school. Um, Yes. You had one last night. Told everybody, I assured them this was just a dream. <laughs> in the dream? Oh, it's okay. In the dream, she told everyone this is just a dream. That is hilarious. <laughs> Calling it like it is. That's great. I love it. Um, yeah. If, and number six, if it's very detailed, stand back and look for the overall message. That can really help, kind of get you out of feeling kind of confused about it. Um, and then you can try to determine the type that it is once you're kind of getting through some of those those questions. You know, is this a directional dream? Is this a, just a flushing dream? Is this a processing dream? Is this a um, guidance dream from the Lord? 
And and this is the the basically the best kind of way to interpret a dream is um, you know just asking the Lord. You know, looking at the basic ideas in the dream, writing that down, and then just asking the Lord the question, what do you want to say through this dream? Or what do you want to say about these symbols? And, and just hearing, using the hearing the voice of God, Mark Verkler method, if you know it, just, you know, letting the Lord still your mind, focusing your attention on Him, and then just writing down what you feel like the Lord is giving you. Um, you know, just writing down whatever it is and not stopping or judging it until it's over, until the, the, the answers stop coming, and then judge it later. You know, being careful to not, you know, put your kind of doubt in it, but just going ahead and letting the Lord speak. And then when he's done speaking, then you can judge it according to the Bible. You can judge it according to, you know, you can submit it to authority. Um, but trying not to be discouraged, you know, if you're not perceiving what this is immediately, but just keep pressing in. And this can be an area of your life that the Lord really leads you in, you know, that the Lord speaks to you in. And um, he can do amazing, amazing things. So um, does anyone have any questions from here? Are you going to take comments later, Ms. Sarah? Yeah. That's right now. You can make a comment right now. Well, I just, uh, I, I was telling Pastor Cameron, and a whole lot of people that, uh, well, there's a lady that knows you guys very well. She sent me here. Uh, I was just going to say, the Lord didn't tell me to say this, but as a Christian, I just wondered if, what, what is the Lord doing with all these folks here, people who are gifted? I always call you guys gifted, me included. What is the Lord's intention for this, uh, for the people he has given his gifts to? Because you, you're unique. Uh, the whole of Christendom uh, in the 24th century, they, they think we're crazy. They think we're weird. So, but my, my, my point and my comment is, please take this very seriously. Because if we are in the end time, and it is written in His Word, that the Lord does nothing unless He reveals it to His servants, I want you to please believe that you're gifted, take it very seriously, because if we're in the end time, He will be talking to you. And because He has vowed that in spite of every problem, the logistics are tremendous. He will make sure that we're all saved from all the problems that are coming. Mm -hmm. So it is incumbent on us, given how serious the Lord is, given His promises, please take it very seriously what, what, you, what the Lord has given to you. Like Miss Sarah was saying, don't take it lightly at all. Take it to the heart. And this, these are wonderful stuff that she put together here. So that's just my contribution. Just so take it seriously because we might be in the end time seriously. So. Thank you, Chris. That's helpful, encouraging. I'm really glad to share a dream that I had about the end times. Okay. And um, it was, um, uh, I was staying faithful. I've always had a fear that when the end came and somebody said renounce Jesus that I'd cave 
And so I think this dream came from that fear. And I had this dream where I was told, renounce your faith or we are going to split you in two on TV. They're going to film it. So I wouldn't do it. So they put me on TV and they split me apart. And before it was even through, God grew me together again mm-hmm. on TV. So they wanted to leave me alone because I, I helped my cause rather than hurt it. But then they put me in a room with all these little children and it's no secret that I have sexual abuse in my life. So I was in the room and they said, renounce your faith or we are going to rape these children. Oh, wow. And I woke up. Mm. And I, I was sick, sick mm-hmm. at heart because I didn't think I could, I, I, I didn't know what I'd do. And I went to God and I asked him and he says, so I can grow you back together after you split apart, but I can't make their mm-hmm's fall off. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt better. Yeah. I, I, I trust him. I trust him. <clears throat> they won't find a spot. God will take care of it. Yeah, so in the end, that dream was really encouraging. If she hadn't gone to the Lord after that dream, you know, imagine what she felt from that dream. She would have been unsettled. She would have felt doom and gloom, what's coming. But that's not the... Not. Oops. Is it is it working? Um, so imagine if she hadn't gone to the Lord, but she did, and the Lord spoke something so clearly and helpful and encouraging that the Lord, there's nothing that the Lord can't do. And um, you know, I have had, I mean, just prophetic dreams, amazing dreams. You know, I'm so thankful. And um, one of my reoccurring dreams that I keep having is that there's a, a wave coming, and I just know that the Lord is going to come in a move that is going to just blow our minds, you know. And um, I have these dreams quite often, and so, you know, I just know that the Lord is speaking to me about what's coming too, like you were talking about, Chris, and I I just pray according to what I feel like the Lord is saying, and I feel like the preparation, the code for the preparation of what's coming is in those dreams, and I've been, you know, just asking the Lord, you know, about that. So definitely the Lord can speak on a level that is, you know, for the future. Jen, did you have a question? Well, yeah, well, not a question, but I wanted to add to that, um, which is kind of what you were saying at the same time. I actually, before that dream of honor had come, I, I actually believe that um, having dreams where God would speak to you was kind of a gifting, that not everybody would have that. And to be able to interpret that dream to you would be like a gifting, and not everybody would have that, because you only hear of like the select few people who do do this. But I think what God is, is speaking to all of us right now, it seems very clear to me with what he was saying, and you know, it's what I've been hearing, um, that there's, God wants to impart this revelation that he speaks to all of us the same. You know, he can, he can speak to all of us and we can all hear what he's saying in dreams. It's not a gift that's only given to the select few. It's a gift that's open for all of us because we are his children and that's one way that he can communicate with his children. Yes. Yep, Pat. Just real quickly, that backs up because in the last few minutes I've been getting over and over and over. Mordecai, I believe it was Mordecai, said to Esther, for you were born into such a time as this. 
that's the word I keep getting for mm-hmm. all of us right now. I feel like the Lord is saying through all of these comments that <clears throat> this is a highly valuable tool that the Lord wants to speak through yeah. in these times. A highly, highly valuable tool. So let's all purpose in our heart to be good stewards of the dreams that God gives us, growing in them, being fluent, being able to have an understanding of the symbolism that would be you know, true for us, being able to be a person that can interpret dreams to the point where you can help other people interpret their dreams, and who knows what the Lord will speak in time. Cameron. I just remember, actually it was Stephanie Jones, some of you know, uh, and she shared that the person that she learned from dreams, uh, how to understand dreams, told her that uh, basically don't try to interpret other people's dreams and and don't teach on this for at least five years. Because it takes actually years of Really getting what Sarah's put down on this paper active and in a place of understanding. So, so it, it's really easy for people to learn, hear about dreams and all of a sudden think they're a dream interpretation expert. <laughs> and so pursue it, that what the Lord is saying, and, and value it. It means just that, pursue and value. And, you know, the more you value something, the more time and energy you put into developing it. And so, you know, just, uh, so just, just take that it, to heart. And I've done that personally. I've like, you know, the whole idea of dreams. I, I kind of gave my a lot more attention. Yeah, that's well, we won't go there. I got saved through a dream. God's used dreams significantly in my life, but in coming to the place where uh, of understanding dreams and helping other people interpret their dreams, you really. I took quite a few years to sort through all the information and ideas and opinions and then come up with, well, how am I going to respond to them? So take time is what I'm telling you, mm-hmm. uh, encouraging you to invest into this, um, read books about it. She's, Sarah gives us a list of uh, further reading, pray about it. But just work, working through this, this handout she's given you, uh, a little more in depth and personally, and then practicing it. Mm-hmm. So you have a dream... Talk to your spouse about it. Talk to the Lord about it. Talk to someone else about it before you just jump and think this is what it means. Uh, and and uh, in time, it becomes a more and more useful and valuable tool. Yes. Uh, I just want to add to what Pastor Cameron said. If you write down your dreams, as she stated here in this book, here, this pamphlet, The First Ten Steps of Interpretation, if you write it down, I have documented uh, dreams for over 30-some years. I have lots and lots of dreams. It's amazing how the Lord brings you back. If you're able to go back to 30 years ago, what He showed you as a schema, and as, a, as a symbol, where you think, oh, it's weird, it's probably uh, some stupid stuff I was thinking about. No, He brings you back 30 years later, and you re-see what you saw, and you have been fasting for days, and you know the Lord is with you, and He brings you back, you go, huh! It's very, very intriguing. So it goes along with what I was telling you. We are, well, the gifted people are unique people, and I just feel in my heart that God is getting His people ready. He will pronounce it. 
and you better be ready because he will take us all into a very nice place to fulfill his commitment. <laughs> That's good. That is good, Chris. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> let's take a few minutes um, with the list that we have here. D does anyone... Um, let's yeah let's just not ask that question take um the the list that we have the of the 10 ways i just thought it was interesting that number 10 of the things we're talking about landed on page 10 of 10 things to <laughs> 10 things to uh, ways to interpret your dream um so so taking the um the list and kind of looking at some dreams you've had trying especially recent ones if you can think of any recent ones but any dream will do um and going through the list and seeing what you can do to get it to the point where you have some grid of what of what the dream might be saying but the main part which might be harder here is to just ask the lord you know what he's saying in the dream um which you might be able to do a little easier when you're on your own and it's more quiet but you can do that here too so um take let's take like 10ish minutes 5 to 10 minutes and um try to evaluate you know with the steps and you can talk at your tables if you want to so we'll do that go for it on your mark set interpret Anybody having some indication or having some possibility for interpreting anyone, anyone? We're getting a couple. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Well, um, I just wanted to close in prayer, and I really want to um, just have us kind of receive from the Lord a spirit of revelation and interpretation. Okay? So let's just prepare ourselves to receive. So, Holy Spirit, you are the one who unlocks dreams. Yes. You are the one. The interpretation is with the Lord. And, Lord, I ask for each one that's here right now, in the name of Jesus, that we would all receive a spirit of revelation and interpretation. Specifically, that um, I just ask for the wisdom and of interpretation and revelation that Daniel operated in. Lord, we just ask for that, Lord, yes. that we would be good and excellent stewards. You know, Daniel was an excellent steward. And uh, I just ask that we would be good stewards of our dreams, Lord, that we would um, operate with a heart that is responsible for what comes, Lord, and that we would be faithful in relationship with you about our dreams. Thank you, Father, that the interpretation is from you, that you'd remove blockages in Jesus' name to receive dreams, and, Lord, that you'd remove blockages to knowing what the interpretations are. Lord, that, that we would operate in a level that, um, that Daniel operated in. We just receive that, God. We receive that in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you are the one who speaks and that we are your sheep and we hear your voice. Nothing can separate us from you, God. Nothing can separate us from you, God. Lord, that you would give us wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of the Father in our dreams, Lord. Lord, I pray for dreams to be an encouragement, a source of encouragement for our lives, God. Yes. Lord, that you'd remove the frustration of the symbolism and um, blockages to interpretation, that we would walk in peace and trust in you, that you hold our hand through the process, God, that we're not alone. 
And Lord, I pray for community for each one of us, Lord, that we can kind of um, talk to people and get input and be safe for um, talking about our dreams with each other. And uh, just, Lord, that we would go forward from here with a new skill, that we would grow in this, God, and that we'd um, be able to use it for your kingdom and your glory. In the name of Jesus, bless your bride. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. Okay. Yay. All right, be encouraged and be blessed. And um, enjoy your dreams. (laughs) Yeah, have sweet dreams.